This is no podcast music. Where's the NPR stuff? Marching band. Come on, man. The Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. Welcome to the We're All Florida Now hanging chat edition of the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me, the adult in the room. So cowboy up. It's going to be a bumpy election. The winners, people who got ballots when they didn't ask for them, people from different countries who weren't even voters who got ballots, and the losers, the pollsters. Plus, I think David Brooks said that people in media who don't know what it is like to be somewhat right of center also got it all wrong as well. That's for another day. Well, today's topics. Here come the lawyers. The riots continue and exorcisms. Yes, exorcisms. Plus, a West Coast city has just legalized street drugs, so there is that. Coming up in just a bit, it's the mic drop moment in the third installment of the series, Antifa versus Mike Strickland. Don't miss this. Quite an insight. And please, as always, please excuse the potty talk. It's grittier that way. Plus, it would cost a fortune to have all those words bleeped out. So I apologize in advance. Not for children. Look for post-election lockdowns to cease now that teachers' unions suddenly recover from whatever it was that was ailing them over their fear of of COVID. So maybe the kids will get back in the classroom because, you know, orange man bad might be out of office. You just never know. And look for all the other things to sort of rectify themselves after the election, now that everyone gets a ballot. I got two ballots from two states, and I voted in the state where I reside now. But another friend of mine, I just found this out today, another friend of mine got two ballots, just like me, two ballots, except he's been living in the same place for a long time. And as an added bonus, he's not even a citizen. And he's been in the United States so long, he thought he could vote, even though he's not a citizen. But this is in California, so maybe he can vote. Anyway, he was on his way to vote when my friend said, hey, um, you are you a citizen? (laughs) (laughs) He may have voted for all I know. (laughs) Uh, The presidential race will not be over in a hot minute. And you can blame that squarely on John Roberts and the U.S. Supreme Court because they could have litigated this. And instead, what happened was John Roberts decided that he was going to side with the liberal contingent on the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, instead of being a 4-4 tie, it could have been a 5-3 uh, decision wherein he would go back over and say, hey, by the way, F- uh, Pennsylvania, you guys can't just rewrite all these election laws on the fly like you are. Now, some of the election laws that they just changed in Pennsylvania, which, by the way, is always a place where you want to look for voter fraud, but now it's on steroids, as Robert Cahaley put it from the Trafalgar Group. You don't have to have signature matching. You don't have to have a postmark. And they're allowing votes to come in after the election. What could what could possibly go wrong? It's it's insane, of course. Now, the saddest story of the week, in fact, I think the saddest story of the year, unless I can't think of everything right now, which is entirely possible, is the Reuters story. Do you see this one? You are no longer my mother. How the election is dividing American families. How the election is dividing American families. And here's the snapshot of it. 
In Reuters interviews with 10 voters, five Trump supporters and five backing Democratic candidate Joe Biden, few could see the wrecked personal relationships caused by Trump's tenure fully healing and most believed them destroyed forever. Did you get the turn of phrase there? Let's stop for a second, just, just for a shake. The thesis is wrecked personal relationships caused by Trump's tenure. Wrecked personal relationships caused by Trump's tenure. It's all Trump's fault that the wackle doodle doos who are out there rioting are out there rioting. It's really all his fault. It's all his fault that you are, um, if you support him, are now in the eyes of a family member who is on the other political side of the aisle, a Nazi, a sexist, a racist, and everything in between. Hillary Clinton's entire basket of deplorables. You're all that. But you see, their hatred of you and your beliefs, because you think Donald Trump's an okay guy, is because he's terrible and they're fine. Not that they're psycho. Not that this is a passing this is a passing phase the united states will recover from donald trump and in fact we recovered from barack obama and i think if you can recover from anything we we recovered from woodrow wilson although the vestiges of his hatred and racism still exist today you'll find them in antifa but (laughs) nevertheless uh, listen to today's episode of antifa versus mike strickland i am telling you it is worth it. Okay. What do we get from Biden? Well, let's see. Uh, Biden promised more lockdowns and mask mandates, but that's not a problem. Donald Trump is the problem. So I go to the Reuters story. Here it is. And um, when lifelong Democrat Mayra go- Gomez told her 21-year-old son five months ago that she was voting for Donald Trump in Tuesday's presidential election, he cut her out of his life. Um, you know, but some people make life choices. Some people make wrong choices. They, you know, they, they take the wrong job. If in fact they're offered more than one, they decide that they're going to go out and, uh, gamble away their savings. Uh, they drink too much. They take drugs. They do any number of things that are bad. And if it goes on too long, sometimes they get cut out of people's lives because, it's uh, it's hard to see someone doing such damage to themselves. You feel like I've tried everything. I have to remove myself from the situations because it's just making me nuts. Donald Trump's presidency is transitory. However, the wackadoodle-doo may be permanent, at least according to the Reuters article. The damage is done. In people's minds, Trump is a monster. It's sad. There are people not talking to me anymore, and I'm not sure what will change, said Gomez, who is a fan of Trump's crackdown on illegal immigrants and handling the economy. No kidding. You know who else was in for a crackdown on illegal immigrants? Cesar Chavez. He actually took it one step further. He he marched down to the, from the Central Valley of California, he marched down to the border where he and his pro-union thugs took baseball bats to illegal aliens coming over to take their jobs. That is a fact. Look it up. Jaime Seal, or is it Jamie Saul? Don't know. Can't tell by the spelling. A psychotherapist at the Rochester Center for Behavioral Medicine said it takes time. 
And it takes effort. It takes both parties, no pun intended, being willing to let go and move forward. No kidding. Really? Well, try telling that to Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and every bunch of leftist wackadoodles who are out on the streets and rioting in Portland, Seattle, Washington, D.C., Kenosha, Wisconsin, and even to some extent Atlanta, Georgia, which, by the way, is still, uh, they had a flood on on election night. Did you hear that? You know, darn it. Can't count all the votes. Insert skeptical eyebrow raising here. Here's another one. Democrat Rosanna Godano said her brother disowned her after she refused to support Trump four years ago. I am highly suspicious of that. Nevertheless, it's possible. I was excluded from everything that had to do with my mother's death, and it was devastating, said Guadano, a social psychologist who works at Stanford University in California. Okay, now let's just take that for a second. Was it because she was unwilling to embrace Donald Trump or is it because she was unwilling to embrace her brother who supported Donald Trump and she thought she knew better than he did? Let me just say, uh, she's a professor at Stanford. You know, have you ever noticed something? Some people are book smart and some people are life smart. And sometimes, if you're really, really lucky, you get the in-between people who, who have a little bit of both. And this doesn't sound like one of those times. Man. Fervent Trump supporter Dave Wallace, a retired oil industry sales manager in Westchester, Pennsylvania, is more optimistic about feuding families in a post-Trump world. Wallace says his support for Trump has caused tensions with his son and daughter-in-law. Have you heard these stories about people not letting their parents who support Trump see their grandchildren? Because, you know, they're Nazis. Did you did you not hear the start spreading the news? They're Nazis. Yeah, we're all Nazis. 51 percent of the population Nazis. Yeah, that's happening. The hatred for Trump among Democrats. It's just so. Did I say Democrats? I kind of like that. Uh, yeah. So it's amazing to me. Wallace said. I think it's just Trump, the way he makes people feel. I do think the angst will decrease when we're back to normal politician who doesn't piss people off. <laughs> you know, uh, in 1980, yeah, I'm that old. I, I voted for John Anderson. Yes, I'm really that old. And in 1984, I voted for Ronald Reagan. The reason I didn't vote for Ronald Reagan in 1980 when, like, the whole world did is because I just thought he was a sophist and I didn't like him. And I thought that he was everything that people say Trump is now. And, you know, I learned I learned the error of my ways, subsequently learned to embrace the really actual wonderful things the man did. And I frankly think that the younger people who have decided that uh, Donald Trump is Satan incarnate will rethink it. It may take them a while, uh, but in the meantime, they're creating a world that does nothing but support this hackneyed, crazy point of view. From schools to job sites to privilege training to social media giants censoring people who disagree with them. 
It's all happening and they're creating their own little utopia. They've always wanted a utopia, but they're creating it and it's a fake one. It's a Potemkin village utopia, okay? But it's it's happening. And so it, it, it will really require a revolutionary act to break out of the crazy at some point in the future. Those who do will be rewarded with freedom. Those who do not will be forever angry and contemptuous of all people and all things that do not support their point of view. Bank it. Bank on it. I will tell you my story. Have I told you my story? (sighs) My story is this. In 1991, I think it was 91, I, of course, huge Democrat because I was in the media, naturally. And, uh, well, I wasn't a Democrat. I was always an independent, but I was really, really over the other side and over the left side. And um, so I started watching the Clarence Thomas hearings uh, because, of course, Supreme Court vacancy filling was a very important task. Being a reporter and being in the newsroom and all that, we had to watch this stuff. Unfortunately, it was happening during the time I was working and I could keep track of what was going on and saw Anita Hill and saw these people, you know, the Anita Hill, the late hit that came in. Oh, by the way, we have one more witness. Oh, by the way, we have one more witness at the Kavanaugh hearing. And it's going to be Clinton Lassie Ford. Uh, can I have a Coke, please? Uh, I had to have two doors, and I don't fly, except when you fly me out here in a private jet. Then I fly. Uh, he could have been a he could have been a, a serial rapist. I felt like I might die that night. Yeah. Oh, okay, Christine. Anyway, back to Clarence Thomas. So I, I was thinking, you know, I was watching this. And here's a black guy who's a who knows his way around the Constitution. And he's getting absolutely hacked up by the left-leaning senators of the time, Joe Biden chief among them. So I mean, I, I hate to hold grudges, but I got to tell you, I have to thank Joe for that because it really knocked me out of my reverie over the love affair I was having with the Democratic Party. Because he was so unfair, so absolutely transparently wrong, cruel, partisan, that I looked at Anita Hill, I looked at that hearing, and I heard Clarence Thomas talk about an electronic lynching, and I thought, Howard Metzenbaum, hey, wait a second, Joe Biden... Ted Kennedy, I thought you guys were the good guys. Aren't you guys on the side of the little guy, the people who are black and brown? Aren't you guys those guys? And then it turns out that no, it only matters when your skin color is as long as you completely agree with what they do and what they stand for and the legislation they pass. Because the Supreme Court is not somebody who's, who's supposed to interpret the law, read the Constitution, and interpret laws based against that which is said in the Constitution. No, it is to make law to legislate from the bench. That's what their perspective is. And I thought, I'm done with you people. I mean, I don't know where I'm going from here, but I know it's not with you guys. And that was a moment, a watershed moment for a lot of people of my ilk, 
Andrew Breitbart was one of them as well, read in his book a long time ago. It made a difference. I think Kavanaugh hearings made a difference. And I think eventually me and you and your friends or what have you, who will ultimately look back on the Trump presidency and go, you know, he wasn't really that bad. He was bellicose. He was uh, he was kind of angry sometimes. He was funny, self-deprecating, hilarious. Um, and you felt that that wasn't the right temperament for a president. But you're going to look back and go, look what he got done. And you're going to and just, you know, send me a note. Victoria at VictoriaTaft.com. Send me a note. Say, you know what? I was wrong. Anyway, gee, I digressed on that, didn't I? Ha, ha, ha. So anyway, Biden's promised more lockdowns, mask mandates, etc. Trump wants, he's devolved everything. You know, they call him an authoritarian. He, he devolved everything back to the states. You know, these, these, remember we were talking about the 50 laboratories that we have as the states? He sent everything back to the states, sent them the, the stuff they needed, testing equipment, ventilators, got emergency ventilators, got therapeutics, set it up. They called it, uh, what was it? The, uh, it was a special program and it wasn't just Operation Warp Speed to get all this stuff done, but they had the military helping with logistics to get all this stuff out. And when it came to the states, the states made up their decision. And you know why that happened? Because he's not an authoritarian, because trust me, if he were, he would have been dictating from the podium at the White House, and he was not. And he was not. So if you feel that things were poorly managed um, on the part of the COVID response, talk to your governor, talk to your county health department, talk to people who are in charge over your lives immediately above you in terms of job. You talk to them, because it ain't Trump. They had everything they needed. If anything went awry, it's because the Federalist who sits in the White House didn't engage in authoritarianism. Well, what's really sad is, you know, this disowning people because they support Trump is really sad. I was on Twitter the other day, which you can find me at Victoria Taft. And I just I just believe that people who cannot get over themselves long enough who who disown their family because they don't agree as they do and miss the the home going of their own mother and the and helping with her uh, as she suffered from this dread disease and it's because of your intransigence that you can't be with her you've got a problem you're the one with the problem so i was talking to these people i i just mentioned the reuters story on twitter as i want to do <laughs> And I got a response from this woman says, it's funny you call Democratic leaning babies when the same people who support Trump were crying at the fact that we need to wear a mask. Oh, please. They're mad. They're, oh, oh, they're about freedom. And I think we all know the reality about masks. Sometimes they're necessary and sometimes they're not. If I'm out there, for instance, I saw this guy. This is when we were in California, in Southern California. It was a beautiful day, just gorgeous. It was in the 70s to, to almost to 80. And it was after COVID started. And thanks, China. Just want to give you a shout out for ruining our country and putting a monkey wrench into our political apparatus that the Democrats used to 
throw a monkey wrench into the works, which, of course, we should have known they would do. And they did. And they've accomplished it. And that's why we're in this morass that we are post-election. But anyway, back to the guy on the freeway. So my husband and I were, were driving. The guy, you know, let's say everybody's going 70, 75 miles an hour because it's Southern California. It's, it's the law there. You don't have to go. Who goes 65? Does anyone go 65? This guy's in a convertible. He's wearing a mask. Okay, it's, it's buttressing, you know, we're hitting 80. We're, you know, lovely weather. The sun is out. He's in a convertible with the top down and he's wearing a mask. I think it's funny you call the Democratic leaning babies when the same people who support Trump were crying at the fact that we need to wear a mask. Oh, please. And then later on in this conversation I had with this woman, I, I, because I basically said, wow, I said, hey, you need to make up with your family because you only have one. You need your parents. You really need to reconcile. They disowned me in November 2016, long before any of that. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? November 2016. Let's think about what happened in November of 2016. Do you suppose, because I asked a clarifying question, did you ever call them to this woman who's given me, given me, you know, given me beef over my email or my text message, take three, Twitter message about, (laughs) sometimes you just never know, the fact that her parents and she had grown apart because of politics after November 2016. I said, clarifying question, did you ever call them or people who believe as they do, racists, homophobes, or absurdly call them or call the president a Russian secret agent or multiple rapist? If so, you need to do more work on yourself instead of blaming them. Um, to which another wrote, we don't need our parents. I don't, I don't want my parents. It's hilarious that you think that this is the reason. If anyone calls them a racist, Nazi, homophobe, it's only in response to something racist, Nazi, and homophobic. Only Trump supporters would think that they are a victim when someone responds to their, their ways and expletive is deleted. Okay. Which brings us to October 17th in Portland and in San Francisco, which when you hear this story, you're going to say to yourself, I can see why that would happen. So a couple of weeks before the election, even the SJWs at the Catholic Church thought, you know, guys, uh, we probably, there's probably going on, there's more going on here, San Francisco and Portland and these kinds of places than social justice warriorship. You think? Catholic priests, I write over at IJ, or sorry, right over at PJ Media. Uh, Catholic priests in Portland and San Francisco have conducted exorcisms, exorcisms in the heart of the protest zones to get rid of the dark, hate filled, and satanic spirit of the leftist mob. The move to cast out the spiritual darkness of the mob comes in advance of the planned election riots by the Marxist Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and anarchist monkey wrenchers, in addition to other leftist Klan members. 
I wrote that with a C L A N. I didn't write them like KKK. Although they dress up as KKK people. I mean, look, the KKK, they dressed up in sheets. Uh, these guys dress up in black block. Uh, tomato, tomato. So anyway, it's no secret I write over at PJ Media that the anarchist, Antifa, and Marxist movements are by definition atheist. The only gods allowed in the movement are the state and their masses and their self-appointed leaders, supremacy over others. Antifa and Black Lives Matter militants are by definition, by definition, nihilists, so they don't have any room for God. Whatever they're doing is done in the name of who knows what. They have done bizarre things. First of all, they, they burned Bibles in Portland. There was a guy in Boston who did an animal sacrifice. He says he was eating the heart of an animal, and he's got what looks to be blood all over him. Go look at the story. It's just bizarre. Bizarre. So anyway, I could go on and on and on about that, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of going on, so I don't want to go on because I think you want to get on to the Antifa versus Mike Strickland story. And so we'll do that in a couple minutes, but a couple of things before before we go. Everything is going to get better in Portland and in Oregon throughout Oregon. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because Oregon voters on Tuesday just decriminalized crack, meth, heroin, and and psychedelic mushrooms. So this is going to work, work out great. <laughs> I'm all laughing. <laughs> I'm, you got to... Laugh or cry. Come on. You have two choices. (laughs) Voters in Oregon just threw the doors open to every crackhead and tweaker from around the country to come on down after voting to decriminalize some of the nation's worst street drugs. Meth, crystal meth. I'm not paying for their teeth, okay? If you're going to encourage them to come to Portland and hang out with all the homeless people who came because of the marijuana stuff. I don't think taxpayers ought to pay for their new teeth. This is just an aside that I think it will be an important aside as we continue on. Um, so they, they approved magic mushrooms. Heroin. Heroin. Actually, heroin is better than meth. I mean, I mean, if you're going to be on the you know, the Venn diagram of death. I mean, why not? I mean, I think heroin's probably a little bit better than meth. Don't know why I would say that, but nevertheless, so you got all this stuff. Let's see, what else did they prove? Stand by. I'm going to see. Blah, blah, blah. Meth, heroin, and crack. So cocaine, small small dosages. You know, just personal use. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine, everybody. It's going to... George Soros, you knew he was going to be part of this. The Tides Foundations, AC, Foundation, ACLU, Zuckerberg, that's right, Facebook Zuckerberg, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, among the other funders, bankrolled the New York-based Drug Policy Alliance that came into Oregon and scored big with the vote on Measure 110. They're the same group that bankrolled marijuana legislation in 2014, which is, I write, why it is so easy to get a contact high walking in downtown Portland, near the homeless encampments. Now, in California, as long as we're doing an election update, California, things are going a little bit different. Two so-called progressive ideas promulgated by people 
who are in the part of the supermajority in the California state legislature and all their handmaidens elsewhere. The, the voters have gotten sick of these people a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. They overturned, the voters did, the job-killing SB5 uh, that was uh, basically annihilated, disemboweled, killed the gig economy. All of a sudden they wanted, you know, if you're doing gigs for, oh, I don't know, Uber uh, on the way back from taking the kids to school or something. And they said, no, you're, you have to be, you're an employee. You have to work X number of hours. You have to be given so much money. And of course, Uber rides costs went up. So anyway, the voter said, uh, I don't think so. That sounds, that sucks. I mean, I know so many people in the gig economy, they, they drive for Postmates for crying out loud. And, and if they couldn't do that, they wouldn't have money to buy the kids soccer uniforms. Come on. So they overturned it, and uh, they do have some safeguards in for workers, such as you can't work more than 12 hours in one 24-hour period. Now, the next one's in flux, but the voters were also pretty high on reinstituting cash bail uh, because it was obvious that dangerous people were being let out and committing other violent acts. I mean, I think a sheriff's deputy died at the hands of somebody who was let out of prison early. These are things that... uh, is, you know, if you just required somebody to come up with some bail to keep them in jail a little bit longer, I mean, hey, you know, can I get, and it's only 10%. It's only 10%. Uh, but anyway, this was on top, you have to understand, of all the other things they've done. California legislative officials and voters, through their own stupidity, decided to do by letting out prisoners early from, from prison. So there's this influx of prisoners on the streets. So they got rid of, uh, they dumbed down what a felony is. They let people out. And also the state legislators decided that what they were going to do was instead of building new prisons, they were just going to let prisoners out. That was AB 109. Oh, okay. So uh, the voters got a clue. They realized that there was actually a reason why reticent police officers, you know, under the influence of the Ferguson effect, sometimes actually had to uh, nab somebody and arrest them. You know, because they were like Corn Pop, who, as I understand it, is a very bred dude. Very bred dude. Now, there is a lot of election hankiness going on, so we'll keep you apprised of that as we go along and uh, stick around for Antifa versus Mike Strickland. It's a mic drop moment today. Stick around for that on the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. Find me on the social sites at Victoria Taft on Twitter and Parlor. Also find me at 5VT Show on Instagram. Let's see, what else? Where am I? Oh, Facebook, Victoria Taft. The Victoria Taft Show. Find me over there, like that page. It's much easier. Get out of here, racist. I'm not a racist. Dude, don't get out of here. Don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Get out of here, racist. Do not put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Put your hands on me. Alright, everybody needs to get the hell back!
Get the hell back! To the rain pour, dripping off the building and hitting the concrete floor, searching for my soulmate. In the city of the roses, everybody's showing love, but my heart stays frozen. I just want to be chosen to be the single handed reason that you wake up in the morning. I think about you when I'm all alone, and I don't know if I can make it through this on my own. Before the nightly riots we've seen in the news, there was one case the first case, the case of Mike Strickland. Now at noon, another court appearance today for the man caught on camera waving a gun at protesters in Portland last month. And now he faces a lot more charges. Michael Strickland faces 21 counts connected to that incident. He was a journalist who was beaten by Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters. And he defended himself from the mob with his legal gun. And not a shot was fired. Our position hasn't changed. Our client's position has not changed. That he is not guilty, that he was using the um, weapon to protect himself, and he was doing so within his rights. The only one hurt that day in July of 2016 was Mike Strickland. And the only one punished was Mike Strickland, the victim. I'm of the firm and steadfast opinion that when they come for Strickland's rights, they're coming for mine next. See, Antifa says it's anti-fascist, but Antifa is really anti-First Amendment. It's going back to the street violence of the 1920s and 1930s as a technique and a tactic. And the court system doesn't realize it's happening. This is the story of Mike Strickland. Mike Strickland, Antifa's victim zero. In the summer of 2016, most people didn't even know what that word meant. But what happened to him changed everything. Portland journalist Andy No would make his attack by Antifa a cause celeb and drawing attention to the beating that sent him to the hospital. But it's Mike Strickland's attack and his response to it that has so much riding on it. Strickland's life was undone. His job was stripped from him. His rights were stolen when Antifa members at a Black Lives Matter Don't Shoot Portland rally conspired to throw him out. Because they didn't like him, he mocked them on his Laughing at Liberals YouTube channel. Strickland was beaten inside the crowd by militants wearing black masks, hoodies, and other dark clothing we've come to know as Black Bloc. When Strickland didn't do what they ordered him to do, get out, they came back for him. And it all started with one person. I'm not a racist. Dude, don't get the out of here. Don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Get out of here, Don't put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Put your hands on me. of the person calling Strickland a racist is a person by the name of Ben Carenza. He planned and executed the attack on Strickland, 
with the help of his Antifa anarchist militant buddies. I talked to James, an anarchist who saw the attack from a perch high above the crowd. He told me about it just weeks after Strickland was attacked. Just a short time after Strickland defended himself against the nearly 400-pound man, Ben Carenza. More than twice Strickland's size, who literally manhandled and threw the journalist to convince him to leave. So I could see, you know, above everyone's head, obviously, because like, I don't know, 15, 20 feet in the air. And uh, so I saw uh, some people talking behind the crowd, the where everyone was speaking. Um, saw some people talking and I could tell they were agitated. I was like, oh, something's going to go down. That's cool. That group of people, including Carenza and others who were, as James said, angrily discussing ways to get Strickland thrown out of the rally, being held, by the way, on a public street. Their plan made, the group deployed to carry out their plot to attack Strickland. Carenza led the way. James said he saw Carenza attack, grab, and throw Strickland out of the crowd. Listen to what he said in 2016, not long after the attack. Strickland was like on, I don't know, kind of the outskirts. He wasn't really in the middle. There was only like, I don't know, five people between him and the edge of the crowd kind of thing. And uh, so the big dude pushed his way through, and he was there for like, I don't know, five seconds or so. And then he grabbed him and pulled him out of the crowd. There was like scuffling and they he pulled him out of the crowd. And I was like, oh, shit. So I started getting down and because uh, I didn't know what was going on. And when I started getting down, I had to go around the back. And by the time I got around to where I could see anything, all the fun was over. And they were like halfway up the block. And I still didn't know what was going on. I didn't know he pulled his gun. I didn't know anything. But James and his anarchist colleague Mike, also known as Mike Bluehair, did know something. They knew the identity of Strickland's chief attacker, Ben Carenza, though they tried mightily not to give him up when I tried to get more details of the assault. He, he was yanked out of the crowd. I mean, what does that mean? Uh, well, they, they came up and they physically grabbed him and pulled him out of the crowd. And the dude that did it was like a really big dude, like, I don't know, 300 pounds plus. It's something. And he, it was uh, in black block regalia. It was covered. His face was covered. Yeah, but he looked like a ninja. A ninja in black block who was nearly 400 pounds wearing a mask. So his identity would remain a secret. It was Ben Carenza, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what his name is. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his name. Yeah. Big, big dude. But it's like, it doesn't make any sense that he blocks up because he's like, Oddly, sh- not oddly shaped. He's just uniquely shaped, so you can tell. Like, hey, I know who that is. Like, you're wearing black clothes. That's okay. Yeah, it's kind of hard to hide that. Both James and Mike Bluehair knew Carenza was angry at Strickland. In an online video, the nearly 400-pound man was mocked for his size and called a Snorlax online. Carenza, who took great pride in his online persona, got upset. The next time he saw Strickland. He exacted his revenge. So far, we have an eyewitness in several videos, including one taken by Strickland himself, that Cho Carenza was the chief assaulter. He's an important character here in this case, and I want you to remember his name. Remember, too, that after the journalist was assaulted and a scrum of Antifa and BLM militants were menacing him and violently driving Strickland out of the so-called peaceful rally, the crowd became aware that a gun had been drawn, and they rushed to see what happened. There's a shooter. 
A natural reaction. Listen again to this part. That's Ben Carenza. After committing the assault, which led to the gun being pulled in the first place, he's the first one to order someone to call the police. Makes sense. The mob continues to menacingly chase Strickland slowly away from the crowd and up a nearby street by the old elk statue that in 2020 Antifa members destroyed. Mike Bluehair, on his channel, Film the Police Portland, caught up to what was going on in the crowd. He picked up the story from there. He told Strickland to reholster the gun after Strickland had had it out for fewer than six seconds. Strickland complied. His finger was never on the trigger, as Mike Bluehair knew. Seriously. Black Lives Matter! Ryan Guzer about to see the big Black Lives Matter! I'm just trying to keep the people from getting shot or something. You understand my motivation right now? All right. Okay. I think you're in the cup Hands up! The mob continued to advance on Strickland as he backs up the street. Blue Hair backs them off, and Strickland, while backing up, tries to explain to a Black Panther activist, who it turns out claims to have been armed, and who continues to advance on him. Strickland's gesticulating and telling the sinister-looking advancing man what happened. Get away from him! Dude! Look! We got people holding people away from you! Let him leave, dude! Look! Let him leave. Dude, he just wants to leave. Let him leave. And then the mob came for Strickland again. And then you'll hear that they came for blue hair, too. Please pardon the language. I'm not turning my camera off. I'm good. Dude! Afraid to turn his back with I all these people, him. all right? I got him. They're holding I got him. Guy. I'll talk to this guy. I'll talk to this guy. Don't talk with this guy. I'm leaving, guys. I am leaving. Michael, what's your fuck Dude, we can't go. Dude, I got him. Let him go. Dude, we don't even want his little kid shot. Chill. Chill. I know you're with him. I'm not with him, dude. Yeah, you're with him. You have no idea who the fuck you know I am. You're with him. You're really? Blue hair. I know you. Yeah, with my blue hair. I'm not with him. Yeah, you are. I was filming the police portland. I was filming the police portland. I was filming the police portland. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you don't know me. I know you're with him. No, I'm not. I know you are. Film the police portland. I don't care. Right. You're with him. I'm not with him. I'm not with him. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck you. I know. Fuck you. Yeah, you got your buddy over here. He's not my friend. I know who he is. I'm yeah, trying to keep going. We all know who oh, he right. is. Right, okay, good. Then you know he's just afraid are. to turn his back. So they seem like a well-adjusted bunch in a deliverance sort of way. They followed Strickland another block until he met the police and voluntarily went spread eagle on the ground. Riot police had been deployed. Helicopters were overhead. It was chaotic. Blue Hair was asked to talk to a cop. And here's what he said. Sure, man, what's up? Are you a victim of a crime? 
There's no menacing law in Oregon, is there? Yeah, there's a menacing law. No. I didn't feel threatened, but he scanned the horizontal plane with a gun, and you'll see it on, in 20 videos. Yeah, he felt threatened by the crowd, and it's freaked freak out. I said put the gun down, and in my video, you'll see him aim it down again. Okay. But he looked he afraid. Did, he didn't deliberately target you with the gun? No, he did not pause and hesitate on That's me. That's what I needed to know. Thank you. Right. Okay. Yeah, there'll be plenty of videos. Spomberg is definitely not with him. I understand. I'll go, right. I'll go straighten that out. All right, thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Yep, yep. Also there, the conspirator and assaulter, Ben Carenza, who approached Blue Hair. Listen carefully. What's up? I'm doing well, man. I'll tell you in a minute. No, I was there. I'm rolling. You want to... Carenza was coming to Blue Hair to find out what his take on the story was and offers that he's the reason why Strickland pulled the gun. And when the officer came back to get Carenza's statement, Carenza wanted to talk away from the microphones. To your recollection, was there anybody that was specifically menaced by him that we need to talk to? Hey, I would, so I, I talked to him privately. I'll talk to you privately. Okay. There. All right. I don't feel menaced by him, like I said. Okay, great. Right. You're just a witness. I'll, I can talk you to you privately. Why don't you read it? Yeah. Were you targeted too? I was not targeted. Okay. Now, why is any of this important? Besides being the provocateur, and it turns out, a hacker, felon, former federal prisoner, alleged thief, police and FBI impersonator, and bomb hoaxer, fabulist and domestic terrorist... It didn't take long for Ben Carenza to take on one more moniker, too. In the eyes of the Multnomah County District Attorney, the man who provoked the entire incident, the man who started it all, was now a victim. Next time on Antifa versus Mike Strickland. This week's episode of the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is brought to you by VictoriaTaft.com and... Our Antifa action figures, just in time for your Christmas buying season. There's Radar from Soy Stream News, Miss Warlord, and our special collection of the real housewives of Antifa. Batgirl, the Antifa camp counselors, and much, much more. Look for my web store soon at Zazzle. Get the link at victoriataft.com soon and put your favorite characters on shirts, mugs, masks, stationery. Mock your favorite leftist. Collect all 12 initial characters and make a calendar. Enjoy these unique and beautifully illustrated figures. Uh, Not the way they see themselves, but the way we see them. Editing, mastering, advertising, technical support, and understanding for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. The music is gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for the case of Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by RC, and it is used by permission. Find RC on all social sites at Raps by RC, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raps by RC. Imaging for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. Logo by Hageman Creative. Find him on Instagram. Photo of Victoria Taft is by Hilly Collective. The Adult in the Room podcast is produced by Flamingo Road Studios. All rights reserved.